and he knew what he was talking about. For 20 years, criminals had been his specialty and his legitimate prey. He had hunted them through all lands, and he hunted them successfully. Upstairs, in a chiffonier drawer in the bedroom, there was a large red leather box holding visible symbols of that success. Small decorations of gold and silver and bright ribbons bore mute witness to the gratitude that various European governments had felt on notable occasions towards the greatest man-hunter of his generation. If Trevor was a dogmatist on murder, he was entitled to be one. Hare, on the other hand, was a good and respectful listener. But being a criminal lawyer of long experience, he was a man with ideas of his own, and he always expressed them when there was no legal advantage to being gained by withholding them. He expressed one now when he drawled softly. All murderers are, are great egotists, are they? How about great detectives? Trevor blinked, then smiled coldly, clutching at his black cord. Most detectives are asses, I grant you. Complete asses and vain as peacocks. Very few of them are great. I know only three. One of them is now in Vienna, the second is in Paris, and the third is... Hare raised his hand in interruption and said, The third, or rather the first, is in this room. The greatest detective in the world nodded briskly. Of course, there's no point in false modesty, is there? None at all, and it might be a little difficult to maintain such an attitude so soon after the Harrington case. The poor chap was put out of his misery a week before last, wasn't he? Trevor snorted. Yes, if you want to call him a poor chap, he was a deliberate murderer. But let's get back to the perfect crime of ours. Uh, of yours, you mean? Hare corrected him politely. I haven't subscribed to the possibility of it as yet. And how would you know about a perfect crime if it ever were committed? The criminal would never be discovered. If he had any artistic pride, he would leave a full account of it to be published after his death. Besides, you are forgetting the perfect method of detection. Hare whistled softly. There's a pretty theoretical problem for you. What would happen when the perfect detective set out to catch the perfect criminal? Rather like the immovable object and the irresistible force business. And just about as sensible. <laughs> the fly in the ointment, of course, is that there is no such thing as perfection. Dr. Trevor sat up rigidly and glared at the speaker. There is perfection in the detection of crime. Well, perhaps there is, Hare laughed amiably. You should know, Trevor, but I think what you really mean is that there is a perfect method for detecting imperfect crimes. The doctor's rigidity had vanished, and now he was smiling with as much geniality as he ever displayed. Perhaps that is what I do mean, perhaps it is. But there is a little experiment that I should like to try, just the same. And that is... And that is, or rather would be, the experiment of exercising all my intelligence in the commission of a crime. Then, forgetting every detail of it utterly, using my skill and knowledge to solve the riddle of my own creation. Should I catch myself, or should I escape myself? That's the question. Hmm. It would be a nice sporting event, agreed Hare. 
But I'm afraid it's one that can't be pulled off. The little trifle of forgetting is the difficulty. But it would be interesting to see the outcome. Yes, it would, said the other, speaking rather more dreamily than was his habit. But we can never see quite as far as we should like to. My Japanese man, Tanaka, has a saying that he resorts to whenever he is asked a difficult question. He simply smiles and answers, Fujisan ni nobotara sasso tuko mare maimasso. It means, I believe, that if one were to ascend Mount Fuji, one could see far. The trouble is that, as in the case of so many problems, we can't climb the mountain. Wise Tanaka. But tell me, Trevor, what is your conception of a perfect crime? I'm afraid it isn't precisely for me.